All right, Chavarai, here's your deal. All right, so we're on Daf Samachas and Medalov. We're up to Mesve. We are uh, one, two, three, four, five, six lines from the top of Samachas and sixty-eight A. All right, here we go, Mesve. They asked a challenging question. We said that the Tuma of Metzira is more Chomer than the Tuma of Zav. A Zav Chomer Mitami Mesa and a Zav is more Chomer than a Tami Mesa. Those were the three categories that we had of Tuma, right? Tami Mesa only leaves Machina Shechina, a Zav leaves Machina Levia, and a Metzira leaves all three Machina. Yatsu Balkari, this excludes a Balkari, a certain person who has an emission um, through an arousal when it's removed on purpose. Shemetami Mesa. Chomer mimeno that a tummy mace is more chomer than a balkari. My yatsa, what does it mean? We're excluding a balkari. Which halacha is he excluded from? Lav yatsa michlal zav. Don't we mean that a balkari is being excluded from the category of a zav? Uba lechlal tummy mace, and instead we're including tummy mace. The tummy mace chomer mimeno that a tummy mace is even more chomer. Muter b'machne levia. Yet we still say is muter b'machne levia. So according to this brisa, what's the What's the question? You see from here that earlier we said that a Balkari needs to leave Machina Levia. And over here you see that a Balkari only has to leave Machina Shechina. That's the question. Answer the Gemara. No. Like, Yotza Machina Tomei Meis. A Balkari is removed from the Machina from the camp. A same camp as only a Tomei Meis. V'nichnas the Machina Zav. And he enters the Machina of a Zav. He enters Machina Levia. Even though Tomei Meis is more chomer than a Balkari, the mutter b'machin alivia that we say is mutter b'machin alivia lemai the dami lemidamin. Unless still we're going to compare uh, a Balkari to a zav in some ways, and we're going to say that the same way that a zav is allowed to remain in machine Yisrael, so too a Balkari is allowed to remain in machine Yisrael. Tani tana kamei de Rav Yisak bar um, the Tana taught in front of Yitzhak Bar Abdimi, just to wrap up this Gemara taught before the colon, before the two dots. It says, um, The Balkari has to leave the camp. This means one camp, the middle camp. Do not come inside the camp. That's referring to that means he's even not allowed to go to you see, he's leaving the Machina. And he's leaving Machane Levia, and he's remaining in Machane Yisrael. Okay, so that was the brisa that was taught. Again, according to this brisa, a Balkari, a person who's Tameh as a Balkari, where is he sitting? Where is he allowed to remain? Answer is in Machane Yisrael. He must leave the other two camps. Amarlei, Akati lo But you still did not let us know about a person who has this Tumah, and tell us where he's allowed to go into. Why are we saying, here's the question, why are we saying that a person needs to leave Machina Levia if he's not in Machina Levia yet in the first place? He was never forced into Machina Levia because he's kicked out of both. So Gemara says, and or Lishnachrina, and I'll ask you another question. Akati Fikti Yeah, nobody even allowed to let him enter so why would you allow a Pasuk to now exclude him and make him exit Machin that he was never allowed into in the first place? 
In other words, like this. Let's give ourselves a parable. A person walks into a house. In order to get to the bedroom, you have to walk through a kitchen. Are you going to look at the guy and say, you need to exit the kitchen? No. He's not allowed to go into the kitchen in the first place. So why would you say exit the kitchen? Why are we saying exit the Machin <clears throat> if we never told him that he's allowed to enter there? Aleima, rather say, Michut Pamachan Ezu Machin Leviyah. Michut Pamachan, the Pusik means he leaves Machin Leviyah first. Oh, that taka makes more sense. Because first we kick him out of, so to speak, the lower level Tuma, okay, the Machin Leviyah, and then he's got to leave Machin Eshchina as well. Maskafla Ravina, Ravina asked the question. Maybe both uh, both halachas are referring to ma- both statements of the pasuk are referring to and the reason why they're both dealing with machneshchina. Uh, so why would I say it twice? One's to give an assay and one is to give a loisa say. And it's not so. The Gemara is asking a question. Maybe it's referring to the assay and the loisa say rather than. Machana, Shechina, and Levia. The two Psukim are just coming to add an Iser. Efer the Gemara, Imkain, if that would be true, Lema Kraviyotu, Michot Vamachana, Vlayovi, Altoicha Machana. Hamahamachana, Lamali. Why do you got to say, Vyotu, Michot Vamachana, Vlayovi, Altoicha Machana? Why do you got to say that? I, I know you're talking about the camp. Why do you got to say the word camp again? Shmamina, Litan Lai Machana, Acheres, to let us know that there's another camp. Meaning, Machana, Shechina, Machana, Levia. Both need to be left, and that answers Ravina's question. Again, how so? Because just to reiterate outside, Ravina asked the question. When the Pusik says it twice, maybe it means it's two Averis, and I say in a Lysa say, as opposed to it meaning two camps. After the Gemara, it has to mean two camps because it uses the word Hamachana twice. Okay, period. We are done with that discussion. We are now going to get into a very very, very interesting. I got it to Gemara from here all the way down until the bottom of the page. Okay? So we're up to the two dots. Now listen to this. Fascinating, uh, fascinating Gemara, and it's interesting how we get on to this tangent, but here we go. Umichoi Kravam. When they, after they would check the carbon Pesach, they had to clean out the innards. My Michoi Kravam how would they clean out the innards? Rav Huna Omar, Rav Huna says, They would, uh, they would, uh, a nikov is they would make holes. They would make holes in the uh, innards with a knife to allow any, you know, uh, extra gook fluids to go out of the animal. It's referring to a, um, we're going to call it a wet, um, let's, let's call this a fluid as well. It's like a, let, a wet fluid. The nafka agav ducha de sakina that only comes out when you press it with a knife. There are some fluids that flow out. Other fluids that only come out once like you, you put pressure on the innards with, with uh, a knife, so that causes the liquids to be extrapolated. Amar Rav Elazar, Rav Elazar says, "My time with Dechia Barav. What's the reason for Dechia Barav? Dechsev Charbu Meichim Garim Yechelu. 
it's, uh, it says, and the destroyed homes of those who are mechim, those who are fat, those traveling through will eat. Okay? Now, this, um, interestingly, is based off of the well-known story. Now, this Gemara is obviously not based off the story, but the way to understand this Pasuk is based off of the well-known story of the Chafetz Chaim. There was a wealthy woman that came to him. She wanted to visit the great sage, the Chafetz Chaim. And he was already elderly. She came into his house and he was bare. And she said to him, where's your furniture? He said to her, where's your furniture? She said, I'm visiting you. I'm just a traveler. And the Chafetz Chaim said, so am I. I'm also just a traveler. I don't need furniture. The same way you don't need furniture. What this Pasuk is telling us, right? A furniture doesn't need, doesn't need anything. The Pasuk is referring to those who are traveling through this world and have that approach is referring to tzaddikim. They're the ones who are going to gain from all the homes of the fat ones, the ones who sat and just used this world for personal enjoyment. It says Gabara, my mashma. Where do you see uh, from the, that the word mechem is, to, is uh, referring to fats? Where do you see that? The Betagim Rabbiyazev, Vidachsayim, the Rishayat, Tzedkaya, Yechasim, the Nechasim, the property, the possessions of the Rishayim, the righteous people, the travelers, are, they're going to end up inheriting it. Okay? So you see that Mechim is referring to something that is ruined, something that's, that's, that's lowly. And in some context, it's referring to like dirty parts of the animal. And in this context of this passage, it's referring to what we'll call the dirty side of society, so to speak, uh, which is referring to the wicked. Okay, now we're going to keep going on a tangent. We're going to focus on this pasuk and learn some important Agatha messages as we continue to explore this pasuk. And the sheep are going to are going to um, gain, eat. Okay, the same way that it says about them. Okay, now my What was said about them? What was said about the tzaddikim? That these tzaddikim are going to gain. From and they're going to inherit in the long term all the things that the wicked people tried to tried to uh, um, you know take for their self gain. Amalei Rava Rava says if it would have said the the chorva the destructions then it would make sense. says and the chorvais the word and means there's something else right. First of all, the tzaddikim are going to get this, and also the destroyed homes. So what else is there that the tzaddikim are going to get beside for these possessions that the Risham tried to accumulate? Elama Ravos, Rav explains, Kidrav Hanan Elama Rav, the Amar of Hanan Elama Rav, Asidim Tzaddikim Sheikhayu Asamesim, eventually, fascinating Gemara, it's going to be the tzaddikim that 
are the it's going to be the tzaddikim that bring tchias hamesim to the world. It's not that it's the tzaddikim who are going to come back at tchias hamesim. The tzaddikim in the world in Olam Hazah are going to be the ones who are able to perform tchias hamesim for everyone else to come back. How so? Siv It says in this pasuk for and the sheep will. Sadikim Sheikhaiu Samaism the thing are gonna resurrect the dead. They're going to graze in Bosham and Gilam. Kimeilam like the days prior, like days before. What does this mean? Bashon. Who is Bashon? Ze Elisha. This is the Navi Elisha. Abomina Bashon. Who comes from the city of Bashan? Shenemar. How do you know Elisha comes from Bashan? It says the Bashan. And Yanai and Shafa were in Bashan. Uksiv. And it also says, Elisha ben Elisha, who was Ben Shafat, poured the water on the hand of Eliyahu. So you see that Elisha was the son of Shafat. Shafat came from Bashan. So we're going to assume Elisha lived with his father and was born in the same town. And he therefore is referring to, uh, when it says Bashan, referring to Elisha. Gilad. What's Gilad? What does that mean? Ze Eliyahu. Eliyahu Giladi. Right? We know that Eliyahu is the Giladi. Eliyahu comes from Gilad. Where do you see that in the Pasuk? Shinemar v'yem Eliyahu atishbi. May toishve ha-Gilad. Eliyahu atishbi from those who dwelled, those who lived in Gilad. So when we say that the, the sheep are going to graze. This is referring to Elio and Elisha and the tzaddik, the tzaddikim of the era. They're going to graze. They're going to walk around the fields, the cemeteries, and we'll have the kayak, we'll have the power of Tchias HaMesim. Amr Shul Bar Nachmini, Amr Vyenison, another teaching about tzaddikim being the ones to bring about Tchias HaMesim. The, the old men and old women are going to sit on the streets of Yerushalayim with their, with their canes. You should put my stick, my staff, yeah, of, these, of the old people of Yerushalayim on the face of the boy. And they do a for the boy. So you see that Again, it is the tzaddikim that are going to bring about tchias hamesim. Period. End of that particular uh, particular topic. However, once we spoke about tchias hamesim, we're now going to bring out other details of tchias hamesim. We are up to the words ula rami. Ksiv Hashem will get rid of death. When at the time of Tchias Hamesim, Uksiv Kianar that a young person will be a hundred years old, which seems to imply that there's going to be death, but people are just going to start living for a very long time. So what is it? Is there going to be no more death, or are people just going to live for much longer? What's going to be the Metzias of the the Tkufa, the era of Tchias Hamesim? Says Gemara, like Kasha, no question. All right. One's talking about Klai Yisrael. One's talking about not Klai Yisrael. Ask the Gemara of Avdi Chav and Ma Bo Hasam. 
I don't understand. The time of Tchia why are they even, uh, the, why, why even have the nations? Yeah, this is the times, according to a lot of opinions, is the times after Mashiach. First is going to be a time of Mashiach, then there's going to be a time where the two worlds fuse together, Eilam Hazen, Eilam Haba, and then people are going to live forever, right? So the Gemara says, well, what are Adik Chavim doing there? Says the Gemara, they're going to be there working for the working for the tzaddikim. Rav Chista Rami, Rav Chista, that's a contradiction. It says that the moon and sun are going to be embarrassed. What does that mean? They'll be embarrassed. It means there's going to be such light and goodness in in this era that the sun and the moon are going to be like minuscule. For what they uh, for what they can offer, Uksiv, and it also says, however, the moon is going to be as great as the sun. We say this in uh, in Kiddush Levana, right? And the light of the sun is going to be forty nine times greater than the light combined of all seven days. Well, I don't understand. Is there going to be incredible light from the moon and the sun, or are they just going to be like, okay, yeah? <laughs> We lose, <laughs> yeah. We we there's not, we don't have much to offer. Hence the Gemara, like Kasha Kan Leilam Haba Kan Limais Hamashiach. The pens referring to Eilam Haba. Okay, in Eilam Haba there will no no longer be any sun in the moon. However, in the times of Mashiach, then yes, as Rashi says, the whole world is going to come to recognize Hashem. The the nations are going to recognize the Jewish people and the sun and the moon of that era. Are going to also shine tremendously bright. Who says that the, that there's really no major time difference between Tchias Hamesim and Mashiach? It's going to happen in very similar, uh, very similar situations. Okay, whatever happens times Mashiach is going to be by Tchias Hamesim as well. So, well, according to him, there's a, here's another major difference. The sun and the moon uh, in in one era are going to be glamorous. Another one, they're going to be gone. According to Shmuel, that both took him referring to Adam Haba, like Kasha, still no question. One's talking about when it's Machane Shechina, okay? Another one is talking about in Machane Tzadikim. Around the Shechina, the, where people are going to come to see the Shechina, recognize the Shechina, then, the, then even the greatness of the, the, as great as the sun and the moon are going to become, is going to pale. Uh, uh, in the face of the light of Hashem. However, where the tzaddikim are going to be living, then the sun and the moon still are going to have what to offer them. Rabbi Rami, Rabbi asks another contradiction. Hashem says, I bring death and I bring life. I've been machatsti, I've caused wounds, and I heal. Well, if Hashem can heal, uh, and I'm sorry, if Hashem could give life, He certainly can heal. That's what life is. It's what He these two psukim for. After the Gemara, Zot Rava El Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu. Rather, Kadosh Baruch Hu says, Mashni Me Misani Mechayek Mei Mechatsi Vani Erpa. The same way that I bring life and death, I also, uh, I also uh, uh, bring um, wounds to the world, and I bring. I bring healing. Now, why? What would I have thought? What would I have thought that um, maybe only once a person is alive 
does Hashem bring bring uh, these towers? No. Not only do I bring wounds and healing, I also bring total death and total life. Last halacha for this amud and this discussion. I would have thought to be uh, to understand this that Hashem, you know, one person dies, another person lives, yeah. But it doesn't mean that Hashem gives life back to the person who died, right? Like right now, for example, we're in Baltimore. I'm in Baltimore with uh, with uh, you know Yaakov came to look at yeshivas, but I'm here with my family. We're giving, we're doing daf yami. I stepped out, and my family is in the middle of doing a chasana. We, my sister's making a wedding tonight. We, I drove to this wedding straight from the cemetery. It's my father's yard site, right? So we had our siblings in the cemetery at 4.30, and we all got together to say to him, at 6 o'clock, we come here. We, we come to Achasna to celebrate the Simcha Baruch Hashem. So says the Gemara, I would have thought, what does it mean when Hashem says, I bring death and bring life? I bring death to some people, and I bring life to other people. Yeah, there's, there, there's a life cycle. But who says it means that I bring life to the same person who's died. You know, I'm not going to a chasna of the same person who's having a yard site right now. <laughs> right? I'm going to the chasna of their grandchild. But as, how do you know? According to what we're saying, because brother was saying, no, you're going to dance at the chasna of the one who passed away. Right? I bring life to the one who died. Where do you see that? Talmud Laimar, Machatsti Vani Erpa. I cause wounds, but I bring refua. Just like when you somebody gets a wound, who gets healed? The one who's wounded. The person who was never wounded doesn't need to be healed. So the same way when the Pesach writes, I will heal those who have wounds, referring to the same person, so too the Pesach refers to life coming back to the person who has passed away. If anybody says show me in the Torah. Prove to me in the Torah that there's going to be a time of the answer is these psukim of I bring wounds and I heal. The same way the wounds and the healing are in one person, so too the life and the death are in one person. Another shot to learn out is Vitchila Mashni Memis Ani Machaya. Akadish Baruch who says in the beginning, whatever die whatever has passed away, um, I will bring life to Bahodar Mashachatsivani Erpa, and afterwards um, those who are hurt, who are wounded, will end up being healed. Okay, which is just the order of how Triyas Amesim is going to work. And that people, you know, uh, we don't think about it this often, but, uh, that often, because it's not much we could do about it anyways. It's not so practical, right? But we think about, okay, there's going to be a time of Tchiyas HaMesim. We know that. There's going to be a resurrection. There's also going to be other miracles that happen, and that is, even people who are alive are going to have complete healing. Now, which one's going to come first? It seems from the Pasuk, First, Hashem is going to bring life back to those who have completely passed away. And then afterwards, everybody who is wounded and alive in the time of Tchiyas HaMesim will be completely healed uh, as well. Period. End of that Gemara. We turn to Samachas on the base. 
8b, and we move on to the next halacha of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, the Hector Chalavav, okay, that you also would burn the fats of the carbon Pesach on Shabbos. Tanya, we don't in a brisa. Amar Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon says. Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Amar Reb Shimon, borei kamachaviva mitzvahs b'shaita. Come and see how important it is to do a mitzvah in its proper time. Where do you see that? Shari hektar chalamei varmuv uv darim k'sherim kolayla. Really, the burning of the fats and limbs and the poder was allowed to be burned throughout the night. They were allowed to, to push it off until after Shabbos. But still we see that we don't push it off till after Shabbos and we allowed it to be permitted uh, on Shabbos itself. Okay, because why? This teaches us the value of, yes, as a plan B, technically it could have been burnt after Shabbos, but a, a mitzvah should be done as a plan A. Next part of the Mishnah. Um, we said the schlepping of the carbon to Shechtit and also bringing it to the Beis HaMikdash um, so uh, we had a discussion we had a machoikas Rebbe Lezer holds it is by Cheshav it says Gemara of Raminu I'll ask you a contradiction you're allowed to cut off a wart of an animal in the Beis HaMikdash but not outside the Beis HaMikdash. Now, um, the halacha is that you're only allowed to remove a wart with a shinoi. Okay? Um, now, really, even if it's with a shinoi, it should be aser midr You're not allowed to use a utensil to cut off a wart. That's going to be this issue of chopping anything off of an animal. Like geysers, you're not allowed to do that. But what about using with a shinoi? If I do it in an unusual way, it's now it's also midrabbanan. Well, we learned that isuri dirabbanan were permitted in the base hamikdash. They were allowed to do it in the base hamikdash, but not outside the base hamikdash. The imbekli kan the kan aser. And what about using a kli? What about cutting it off with a vessel? Either way, it's going to be aser. So, what's the Gemara's contradiction? Because we said in our Mishnah, there's a machoikas. Rabbi Eliezer says, you're allowed to do it on Shabbos. Hanukkah says, you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. Correct the Gemara. The Gemara asks, why can't I do it on Shabbos? Just do it with a Shinoi. Now that it's inside the base of Mikdash, it should be allowed. Answers the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yaisi, Barchanina, Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Yaisi, Barchanina have a discussion. Chad Omar one says, that there's no contradiction, and really our Mishnah is dealing with, with uh, doing it with a shino with your hand as well, and the difference is whether it is a a lecha literally means like a wet, it's a wet wart, or whether it was uh, whether it was dried. Okay, now if it's wet, it's more connected to the body, and there's a bigger iser of cutting it off. But if it's dried up, so there's more makom to be lenient, and you should be allowed to remove it. The other says, both are talking about fresh warts. There's no question. One's dealing with a yad. That means do it in the usual way. That's going to be usher. The other one holds that it's okay as long as you do it with a kli. According to one who says the difference between the Mishnah and the, uh, the Mishnah here and the Mishnah elsewhere, 
is that one's with the hands, one with the clean. My timer, Omar, Why don't we say that both Mishnayos are d- talking about when you're cutting it off with your with a cleave? Remember, what did we say? We said there's a difference whether it's a fresh word or a dry word. If it's a fresh word, it's part of the body, and it's much. Uh, you, you got to be strict about cutting it off. If it's a dry word, it's okay. It's dried out. It's not really part of the body. You could be lenient. Why don't we say that even if I use a vessel? It's still permitted to cut off a a uh, dry wood because it's dry. It's not considered part of the body. Says the Gemara, Amar Lach will say to you, Yevesha Mifrach Tricha, that a, uh, a dry one is not even going to be considered to be an issue. And Mamela, um, Hitaka will hold that such a thing is permitted with a cleat. According to one who says that both Mishnayas are talking about with a usual way, usual, when you do it with your hands, like Kasha, and he says, oh, but there's still no contradiction, let him say the difference is, is not whether it's wet or dry, but the difference is whether you do it with your hands or the Kli, he'll say to you, Kli HaKatani Hasam, that the Lacha of a Kli was already taught in the following Halacha, in the Kli Khan, the Khan, that we said, no matter what, if you use a vessel, whether it's inside the base of Mikdash or outside the base of Mikdash, it is always going to be usher. And this means no matter what, whether it's wet or it's dry. What about the other Amayra? What's he going to do with this Mishnah? He says, no, the only reason why he says a Kli here is Pukud It's just coming to get into the Machoikas between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua. And that was the whole discussion of the Mishnah, where Rabbi Yezer had a Kalvachaymer, and we had those three challenges uh, on his. Um, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Rabbi Yezer had a Kalvachaymer, and we had the three challenges of the Kalvachaymer, one of them coming from Rabbi Yeshua, who says that um, sometimes on Yom Tif we, resu- we remove the Isurei Dairaisa, but we do not remove the Isurei. De Rabbanon, period. Okay. Amar Rebeliezer, Rebeliezer said back, Uma'im Shlita. Why in the world are you allowed to do an Isra Daraisa of Shlita on Shabbos? That was his response logically. If you could shech something on, uh, which is Mekilash Neshama, you should certainly be allowed to do lesser Averis on Shabbos. That was Rebeliezer's logic. And Rabbi Yeshua argued, Rabbi Yeshua Lekanei, Rabbi Yeshua is consistent with his own reasoning. He says, Simchas Yomtev is also a mitzvah. And therefore, don't tell me that, oh, to shecht an animal on Yomtev is a rishos because you either choose to eat meat or not. He says, no. It brings joy. And therefore, it's called a mitzvah. The Tanya, because we're going to buy Shabbat Lezer. You know how a person's supposed to be spending his Yomtev? You should either be eating and drinking. Or sitting and learning Torah. Rabbi Shua says, yeah, you split up your time. Half for Achil and Shia, and half for the base Magis to learn Torah. Okay? In other words, Rabbi Eliezer who says that there's two mitzvahs, and you can do either one. Spend your time eating and drinking, or spend your time learning. And Rabbi Yeshua who says, no, it's not either one. You got to do both, but split up your time. They're both learning it out from the. Sa- they make drushes from the same pasuk. 
talks to the Echadoimer, one Pesach says, Atzeres Hashem Aleikecha. There's going to be an Atzeres for Hashem your God, because of the Echadoimer Atzeres Ki Alochem. The other one says, this is a Yomtif for you. Um, so, so what does it mean? Is it for Hashem or is it for us? How do you darshan that? Rabbi Leezer, Savar Rabbi Leezer says, oh, yeah, it means either or. Aiku Hashem Aiku Alochem. You can spend Yomtif how you want. In one of these two ways. Either for you or for Hashem. It's a choice. Rabbi Shua Savar, no. Rabbi Shua says, no, it's not a choice. Chalkeyu, chetzyei l'ashem, v'chetzyei l'achem. It's not a choice of what you do. Rather, you got to do both. It must be, um, it must be split up, and both must be performed. Okay. Period. End of that piece of mission. Omar Rabbi Yalazar. Rabbi Elazar says, okay, you see where it says Abam Simon? Okay, that's uh, Abam is just going to let us know about the halachas that we're about to talk about. We're about to talk about the halachas of Atzeres, Shabbos, and Purim. All right? Hakol Maidam Atzeres, everybody agrees that on the Yom Tif of Atzeres, Atzeres is Shavuos, Shabino Nami Lochem, you're obligated in doing, spending time and doing mitzvahs that are for us, for us, okay? Meaning achila and shkia. Eating and drinking, my time. Why? Yom shenit Torah, because the day the Torah was given, and therefore when the day the Torah is given, you got to party. You got to eat, you got to drink. Omar Rabba, Rabba says, On Shabbos, everybody agrees that you're obligated to eat and drink. My time, the karasa la Shabbos Einig. Shabbos is called Einig. Einig means to feast. Uh, enjoy. Omar of Yosef. Everybody agrees that on Purim, you gotta, you gotta take care of your body with eating and drinking. My time. What's the reason? It says in Tanya's, it says in Megillah Esther, it was a day of mishta, of parties, of feasts. The Simcha and gladness and joy okay we see that on Purim that's when these mitzvahs need to be performed now we're going to tell a story would fast the whole year except for Shavuos, Purim and Erev Yom Kippur Atzeres, the reason why he would now he would eat at night okay now the reason why he made sure to eat on Shavuos is Yom Shinnabaytari special day we know the fasting is on the 10th day of Tisha. It's in Yom Kippur. Is. What do you mean to fast on the 9th? It teaches us whoever fasts on the 9th, whoever eats and drinks on the 9th day, the Torah considers it as if he fasted on the ninth and the tenth, and therefore it was worthwhile for him to eat on the ninth, because then it's still considered like he fasted anyway. There was no reason for him to refrain from fasting. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, on Shavuos, Omar, he would say, please prepare me a delectable young calf. Omar, and he said, the reason why I need a delectable young calf is because Eloi ha'yuma de kagarin. It's not for the Torah being given on Shavuos. 
Kama Yosef Ika Bishuka, I would just be your standard Joe in the marketplace, and I wouldn't have the Torah um, that allowed me to elevate myself and become uh, become elevated to develop and become different. Rav Sheshes called Tlosinyan Mahadalei Talmuda. Rav Sheshes would review his learning every thirty days. Vitali v'koy be'iva the dosh of Amar. And he would lean against the doorway and say, I got to remember to be happy. Remember to be happy. My neshama, my, my nefesh. Remember, because Baruch Hashem, I was to be involved in Limur Atayr. Okay? So he would, uh, the same way Rabbi Yosef says, Kama Yosef is It's not true. Omar Rabbi Lazar says, if not for the Torah, the heaven and earth wouldn't even continue to exist. says, If I don't have my bris being performed day and night, I wouldn't give them a There are some, it's brought down, that by the way, this is the reason why there's time zones. Besides for the reality there has to be, why does Hashem make the world round? Because it ensures that there's always people awake in the world to learn Torah. Because if Torah would cease for one single moment, there would be no Torah being learned, the world would cease to exist. So this helps ensure that there's constant Torah learning throughout the 24-hour period because people are always living and, uh, and performing mitzvot and chesed in different time zones. So the question is, why is Rav Shesha saying, oh, my nefesh should rejoice, the whole world should rejoice. When we start, we do it for ourselves. But you know what? It's true. Taka, in the big picture, what ultimately happens is that it ends up helping the entire world. We're up to Omar Rav Ashi, three lines from the bottom of Samachesam Abbas. We'll hold it here for this evening of Bez Hashem tomorrow at uh, 12.15, we'll pick up from here.